words of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20. Amen. As we know, God wants us to continue to teach and preach and emphasize the importance of faithfulness. The importance of what? The importance of what? Faithfulness. Why? Because as we've been confessing, this is still God's plan for us. His plan for us is to what? To flourish, amen, like never before this year. Okay, I got one amen. Okay. For me and Miss Vincent, we're going to flourish, Miss Vincent. Thank you. Because everybody else is sleeping. <laughs> thank you. Just me and you. Okay, thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. And once again, in the times we're living in, it's never been more important for us to flourish in every area of our lives. And one day we're going to get it. Amen. One day everybody else is going to get it besides me and Miss Vincent. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here in Proverbs 28, 20, it says, a faithful man shall what? Shall what? Abound with what? Blessing. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. What's he saying? He's saying the man that is faithful to the things of God shall do what? Abound in what? In blessing. Somebody say that's me. Come on, somebody say that's me. We know it's been prophesied in 2018. I know they got it on the screen by now. Amen. I have to call Marisol in. <laughs> prophesied, they prophesied in 2018. It said, these are indeed the days of greater glory, saith the Lord. He says, I will cause it to manifest to all who will remain faithful to me and faithful to my what? To my word. And I will cause them to flourish and to abound as I promised in my word. He says, I will honor the loyalty to me, enabling them to overcome every attack of the evil one. And he says, I will bring them into the greatest breakthroughs that they have ever experienced thus far. Somebody say, I'll take that. Then he said, then the Lord said, rest assured that I am working on their behalf even now. And they shall triumph and be victorious. And all shall see that I am still the God of the breakthrough. And I am still the God who keeps covenant. So he says, so lift up your hands and lift up your voices and praise your God. Amen. The God that unlike any other God. The God who blesses all who have been faithful and loyal to him, saith the Lord. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we also know 2018 is what? Days of glory. Days of flourishing and days of abounding. Somebody say, I'll take that. I'm going to say that I'll take that. Well, once again, turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. That is not a notepad. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Once again, let me give you a brief history of what's happening here before we get into Isaiah chapter 60. One theologian writes, Isaiah 60 inaugurates a season of revelations, amen. In Jerusalem at the time of this writing, living conditions were extremely difficult. Jerusalem was in ruins, and the people were divided not by some enemy force, but among themselves. Are you with me out here? Now, if you read chapters 58 and 59, I encourage you to read the book of Isaiah, period. Because there's a lot in the book of Isaiah, amen? But if you read chapters 58 and 59, they both are characterized by gloom and despair. 
and the morality it was generally low amongst the people. Are you following me out here? But the opening verses of Isaiah chapter 60 sets a new tone. What's it do? It shifts from doom and despair to light and glory. Let me say it again. It shifts from doom and despair to what? Light and glory. Amen. What is it? It's God's attempt. Are you with me out here? It's God's attempt to bring them out of their present spiritual condition and take them into a new dimension. Are you with me out here? Amen. It's his way of showing them that there's still light at the end of the tunnel. And guess what? There's still light at the end of our tunnel. Come on. Somebody say amen, somebody. Why? He's showing us that today. Somebody say he's showing us that today. And see, in this chapter, it's a new day. And things are about to get extremely better for the people in Isaiah's day. But this is not only a glimpse of their future, but guess what? It's a glimpse of our future. Somebody say it's a glimpse of my future. We're talking about full of light. We're talking about full of glory that will also bring about tremendous prosperity. Somebody say tremendous prosperity. Now, another theologian used this word to describe what's happening in Isaiah 60. He said the word reversal is a word that best describes the hope expressed in this chapter. What's the word? What's the word? Reversal. Amen. He said the word reversal because why? It's going to change things. See, through God's manifested presence, power, and goodness, guess what? The oppressed will be set free. The oppressed will be set free. Those who have been stripped of resources will be restored. And wealth will come like never before. Now, we know this prophecy applies to you and I. Because if you look at the opening verse of Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, notice what it says here. It says, arise and what? Arise and what? I shine for thy what? For thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is what? Risen upon thee. Then in verse 2 it says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. See, that, descri- that describes the conditions of the earth in the days of Isaiah. But it also describes or it's a description of our day. Come on, if you haven't noticed, darkness is covering this earth. Has anybody noticed yet? And see, darkness generally represents sin, folks. And sin is running rampant in the earth today. What used to be behind closed door is now what? Done out in the open. Are you following me out here? And the Bible says they're coming a day when they'll call evil good. Matter of fact, look at that scripture, Isaiah 5.20. The Bible says there will come a day where they'll call evil good. And that's what we're seeing today, folks. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Notice what it says here. It says, woe unto them that what? That what? Call evil good, and good what? Evil. That put darkness for light, and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. So we can see, even from the scripture right here, why this prophetic word in Isaiah chapter 60 applies to us today. Because why? There is darkness in the earth today. So does it apply to us? Come on, does it apply to us? But the good news is we just read the light has come. For some of y'all, let's try it again. The good news is the light has come. What I got to do, get y'all to do Father Abraham or something? 
And see, we desperately need the same admonishment that Isaiah has given his people right here. Go back to Isaiah 61. This should be still up there. Go back to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Once again, he says, arise and what? Shine. Or do what? Arise and what? Shine. For thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. He says, arise and shine. He says what? Arise and shine. Notice this is not a suggestion, folks. This is a command. Come on. Rise and shine. Come on, say, I'm rising and I'm shining right now. Come on, he said, arise and shine, folks. Why did he say that? Because many of us, our lights have went out. Our light is not shining before, like brightly as it was before. Because over time, guess what? Your light gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer because you allow life to get to you. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And then you have an enemy out there. Amen? And his attempt to do what? His attempt is to put out your light. Come on, all y'all follow me out here. And see, the spirit of this world, what it's been doing, has been attempting to put out our light altogether simply because the God of this world, who is who? Satan. He doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to have the influence in this earth that the Bible says we're supposed to have. When darkness covers the earth, he wants, the light, he wants our light to grow dim, folks. Why? Because Satan cannot afford for us to shine brightly because Isaiah also said, look at verse 2 again. He says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be what? Seen on thee. Then in verse 3 it says, and Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the what? To the brightness of thy rising. See, the Gentiles meaning the world, folks. The unbelieving world, he says, they will come to your light. They will be drawn to your light. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, the light of Christ in us will do what? It will draw them, and that's something Satan hopes that will never happen. But he can hope all he wants. Because the Bible declares that there's going to be a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God in these last days, folks, which the world has never seen. Come on, are you with me out here? But once again, I want to encourage you. Don't you give up on your loved ones. They're coming in, folks. Don't you give up on your children. They're going to make it. Tell your neighbor, they're going to make it. You just keep interceding for them. Come on. Because eventually they're going to grow weary of that sin. So here, Isaiah described that it's a new day. And God is ushering in his glory like they had never seen before, folks. The same is true for us. Look at verse 2 again. Let's read it again. Verse 2. Somebody say it's true for us today. Let's read verse 2 again. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness the people, but the people shall rise upon thee and his glory, and his glory, and his glory, and his glory shall be seen. Where? 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 He says his glory shall be seen upon us, folks. Once again, you need to underline that phrase. Why? His glory is going to be seen. But the question we asked last week, how will they know it's his glory? 
knew you know the answer. You was here last week. <laughs> My goodness gracious. That's probably the only thing you remember. <laughs> Amen. But how would they know it's his glory? Because most Christians don't know the, what the glory looks like. But, so if Christians don't know what the glory looks like, how will sinners know what the glory looks like? Once again, it says in verse 3, read it again. And the Gentiles shall what? Come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy what? Rising. Well, how will sinners know it is the glory? And why will it attract them? You know, since everybody want to give the answer, because part of the goodness of God is prosperity. But let's prove it by scripture. <laughs> Go to Genesis 30, verse 43. <laughs> they will know it as prosperity. They will know it as what? Prosperity. Now, they may not call it the glory, but that's exactly what it is. See, the glory of the Lord is doing what? It's producing prosperity. And they will see it, and they will be drawn to it, folks. Amen? Genesis chapter 30, verse 43 we know this is talking about Jacob and how God blessed him with witty ideas and prospered him when his uncle was trying to rob him. Amen. Make him work like a dog, not paying what he is worth. You know, he had to work for two women, two wives. Amen. Glory. Back in the Old Testament. This is New Testament days. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Verse 43. And it says, and the man increase. How? Exceeding. And I had much what? Cattle, maidservants, maidservants, and camels and asses. In spite of his employer, he prospered. That should be a word for somebody in this room. In spite of who you work for, God can still prosper you, folks. You can be a janitor and still drive a jet. Especially when you hear what I'm going to tell you today. Amen. But look at Genesis chapter 31, verse 1, the next chapter. Notice what his sons called Jacob's prosperity. Verse 1 says, And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's has he what? Has he what? Gotten all this glory. Somebody say glory. In other words, they equated the glory to Jacob's prosperity. Come on, they looked at his prosperity as the manifested glory of God. Let me say it again. They looked at his prosperity as the manifested what? Glory of God. And see, your prosperity is how they will know it's it's, its glory. So God got to prosper you. Look at verse Isaiah 6-2 again. For, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And see, since the glory is God's manifested presence, his manifested power, and the manifested goodness of God, then Isaiah is saying, Isaiah is saying, we are headed towards some of the greatest days of our life. Now, we asked the question last Wednesday, is everyone going to prosper in the body of Christ? Not necessarily. Why? Because there's a stipulation. Let's go back to Proverbs 28.20. There's a stipulation. 
What's it say in Proverbs 28? Verse 20. Now, it specifically says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. A what? A what? It says a faithful, the faithful shall what? Abound with blessings. It says the faithful shall flourish. Somebody say the faithful. And see, we're not talking about people up one day and down the other. You have a lot of Christians like that. One day up, one day down. One day they mad, one day they happy. Come on. We're not talking about people that are with God one week and then not with God the next week. And we're not talking about people who just call themselves Christians. Because everybody calls themselves Christians today. And see, a real Christian is one who's a devoted, a devoted follower of Christ. Tell your neighbor, that's a real Christian. Let me, read, let me read the Message Bible of John chapter 10, verse 10. The Message Bible, it should be on the screen, of John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, a thief is only there to steal and to kill and destroy. But he said, I came so that they can have real eternal life. And then it says, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Oh, y'all ain't here with this is Jesus talking here. Come on. He says more and what? Better life than you what ever dreamed of. Notice we're headed towards some of the greatest days of our life, folks. But at the same time, the world will be experiencing its darkest hour. While we will be experiencing our brightest hour. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, things are getting darker for them, but lighter for us. Hallelujah. So faithful people are a group of people who are totally dedicated and devoted to him. And they're the ones that are experiencing this finest hour. Somebody say, they're the ones. Come on, say, that's me. I'm speaking by faith here. <laughs> Go to Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. You need to write some of these scriptures down because some of these scriptures that I'm going to go over today, it should be your confession every day. Because you got to get this in your spirit. Don't be on the outside looking in. Come on, get it on the inside of you. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9, it says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the what? The former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give what? Peace, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, the glory of this latter house shall be what? Greater than of the former. In other words, manifestations of God's power, presence, goodness that you read about in the Old Testament. Nothing can be compared for where you're headed. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Once again, he said, the glory of this what? Latter house shall be greater than the former house. God is saying, listen, God is saying, even the parting of the Red Sea won't even, won't even be compared to where you're headed. That's how awesome it's going to be. That's how awesome it's going to be. But go back to Isaiah 60, 60, verse 1. Once again, it says, arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is what? Risen upon thee. But the only thing that can dispel darkness is what? Light. 
Verse 3 says, and the Gentiles shall what? Gentiles shall what? So come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Listen, the glory of God will be manifesting in our lives to such a level. Let me say it again. The glory of God will be manifesting in our life to such a level that Gentiles will be drawn to it. They will not be able to resist. God is about to bless you. You didn't hear what I'm saying. God is about to bless you with some things. And he's going to use it as a tool to draw the attention of Gentiles. And it's going to be prosperity. Hallelujah. But once again, it's going to require us to get closer to him. Why? Because you don't expect the glory to increase in your life. The manifested presence, power, and the goodness of God to increase in your life if you're getting further and further away from God. Get closer to him. Let me say it again. Get what? Closer to him. Turn to Ephesians 5.8. Get closer to him. Tell your neighbor, get closer to him. Especially this year, folks. This is a monumental year, folks. You just don't know it. Once again, you're going to look back on this year and say, this was the year that God blessed me beyond my wildest imagination. Ephesians 5.8. He says, for you were sometimes darkness. But now are you light in the Lord. He says, do what? Walk as what? Children of light. Now look at verse 11. It says, and have no what? Have no what? Fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Reprove them. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, our command is the same as the command in Isaiah's days. He says, arise and what? Shine. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to show this dark world that we live in, this dark world who Satan has blinded the minds unless they see the glorious light of the gospel. We're supposed to show them that God that we serve is a good God. Come on, we're supposed to show them that God we serve is a faithful God. Come on, we're supposed to show them that the God that we serve, he blesses all the righteous people in this earth. And he blesses faithful people. We're supposed to show them that. Why? Because that's God's promise to the faithful. That's God's promise to the faithful. And the world, when the world sees it, they'll be drawn to it. Hallelujah. Go to Proverbs 4.18. Why? Because the more faithful we become, the brighter we'll shine. Say it again. The more faithful we become, the brighter we will shine. And Proverbs 4.18 confirms that. He said, but the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth what? More and more unto the perfect, perfect day. In other words, our light is getting brighter and brighter. The more faithful we become, the brighter our light will shine. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, the blessing of God is what? It's on the faithful. And that blessing will act as a magnet to people, folks. 
Amen. It gets the attention of others and especially gets the attention of non-believers. Because they're tired of seeing you broke. They want to see that your God is real. Let me say it again. They want to see that your God is real. Go to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, rather. Because he not only says that we'll be, they'll be drawn to us, but look what he says here in verse 6. He says, And the multitude of camels shall cover thee, and dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All they from Sheba shall come, and it says, And they shall bring gold and incense. And it says, they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. He said, they shall what? Show forth the praises of the Lord. See, now we're talking about conversions here. Come on. That meant just because they see the glory on us. Say it again. Just because they see the glory on us, just because they see the goodness, they see the power and the presence on us, it will cause them to become like us and they will begin to show forth praises with us. That means great evangelism is going to take place. That means great evangelism is going to take place. I mean, great soul winning is going to take place. Come on, we're going to see thousands upon thousands of souls come to the body of Christ. Because why? They're going to see the goodness of God on your life. They're going to say, that's the God I want to serve. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 3. Tell somebody, I'm going to, I plan to be right in the middle of it. Romans chapter 2, verse 3. It says, and thinketh thou this, O man, that judgeth them which do such things, and doeth the same, that thou, thou, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing, notice this now, this is where we want to get to, that the goodness of God, oh, mama shakata, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. What leads people to repentance? When people see the goodness of God manifesting in our lives, eventually they're going to ask, how are you doing this? Where are you getting all of this? Come on. And we'll simply say, the God we serve. And what happened? And the goodness of God in our lives, folks, the goodness of God in our lives will lead them to repentance. Come on, we're living in great times. We're living in a great time. So get ready. Get ready for an outpouring like you've never seen before. Like no one has ever seen before. Somebody say, I'm ready. Look at Psalms 31, 19. Psalms 31, 19. Psalms 31, 19, knows what it reads here. Oh, how great is thy what? Goodness. But knows what he says, which thou hast laid up for them that fear or reverence thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. What's the psalmist telling us? The psalmist is telling us that God has so much goodness. 
that we have never experienced. And he's waiting, listen to me now, and he's waiting for the proper time to begin to disperse it. Now, there's a commentary that read this way. It says, when God sees that we have grown and become mature, he begins to release more and more of it. Let me say it again. He says, when God sees that we, are, we have grown, we have grown, we have grown and become mature, he begins to re- release more and more of it. It's like when someone establishes a trust fund for their grandchildren or their children. And they faithfully what? Faithfully contribute to that fund. And when that child or that, that child reaches 19, 20, 21, they can now withdraw from that account. Come on. They can withdraw from their what? From their trust fund. Come on. They're able to pay cash for their cars. Come on. They're able to pay for their college tuition in full. From what? From the money that's laid up in their what? In their what? Trust fund. Now, when they were young, they don't have any understanding of what a trust fund is. Come on, say amen, somebody. But when they get an understanding of what it is, they'll start asking, when can I withdraw from it? But understand this. You don't give a child the trust fund. Or let them withdraw from it when they're two or three or four years old. What would they do? They would spend it on now laters and jelly beans. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, that's why, listen, that's why God has it in reserve. Let me finish before you start saying hallelujah. <laughs> why? Because for some of you, if he had given it to you when you first got saved, you'd be looking for a handout today. Because why? Most people are not frugal. Most people would blow it. Come on. Think about the stories of people that win the lottery. Come on. Most of them blow it. They're back to nothing in a short time. Why? Because they never handled prosperity. Come on, are you with me out here? And that's the reason you don't give a baby a steak. Hello? And you don't give baby Christians an open treasury. Why? Because they have to grow. Tell you but they have to grow. They have to understand what it's for. Come on. It's not to be consumed on us. Let me say it again. It's not to be consumed on us. It's supposed to be so that we can be a blessing to humanity. Why? So that we can take the gospel around the world and bring them to Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, God doesn't have a problem with making us wealthy. The problem is, what would you do with it if you were? Or would you still have any of it left? I mean, I've talked to some people, you know, come to the gym and things. I talked to the people that took advantage of the jobs that were made available that paid them big money after this hurricane. 
after the hurricanes. And you would be surprised, even though they made more money than they ever made, they saved very little. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. They were spending it as fast as they made it, not realizing one day that money is going to dry up. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And see, what God's been doing, God's been waiting for us to grow. He's been waiting for us to mature. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ have not grown in this area and not mature because they don't know how to handle money. Oh, man. What's God been doing? God's been waiting for it to become a revelation to his people, folks. Come on. Now, some have it. Some have it. And those that have the revelation, what happens? They keep growing, they keep flourishing, and they keep abounding. Because why? They know not to consume it all on themselves. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. They understand I'm blessed to be a blessing. But most people don't know that when it comes, when it comes, listen. When it comes to Christ, or most people that first come to Christ, I should say, if God was to open the windows of heaven and pour them out a blessing that there was not room enough for them to receive, and you're a baby Christian, you couldn't handle it. When you don't have insight and revelation of what prosperity is for, oh, come on, say amen. You'll be like a three or five-year-old wanted a pair of $600 sneakers that they would grow out of in a month. So the question is, have you grown any? Are you more mature now? Come on, tell your neighbor, I believe I can handle more. Come on, say, God can trust me with more. And what happens? See, God has his, this goodness. God has it. He's got it in reserve for us, folks. And he's just waiting for the proper time. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Somebody say proper time. Once again, when he sees that we have grown, when he sees that we have become more mature, then he begins to release more and more. Hallelujah. And you can look at it as a trust fund. It has your name on it. And it's just waiting for you to show God that you can be trusted with it. Because sad to say, most Christians can't not be trusted with it. They give it right back to the devil. They will spend it on themselves. And not thinking nothing about what God has planned for that money. Matter of fact, they won't even ask God, what should I do with it? And that's why God can't get it to them. Because they have not grown. It's still in the trust fund. It hasn't went anywhere. But they're not ready to receive it yet. They're not mature enough. Oh, come on, say. Go to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5. Isaiah 60, verse 5. So you got to mature when it comes to prosperity. 
You're not going to give a 13-year-old keys to your Mercedes Benz. <laughs> right? Isaiah 60, verse 5, it says, Then thou shalt see, listen to this closely now, and flow together, and thy heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee, and the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. The word forces in the literal Hebrew is the word wealth. So the wealth of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. Let me read it from the Amplified Translation, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5. I said, then you shall see and be radiant and your heart shall thrill and tremble with joy at the glorious deliverance and be enlarged because the abundant wealth of the Dead Sea shall be turned to you unto shall, and unto you shall the nations come with their treasures. Nations will come with their what? Treasures. Well, this goes along with Proverbs 13.22. Turn there. The abundant wealth is coming to you. It's going to be turned into you. This is God speaking. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man, leaving an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just which is notice it says these things are laid up but it's laid up for faithful people one translation reads Psalm 31 19 it says it's hidden as a treasure for the faithful hidden as a what? treasure for the faithful so God has this treasure folks this wealth laid up and he considers it goodness come on he considers it what goodness he has it laid up for the what for the uncompromising righteous let me read Proverbs 13 22 from the Amplified Translation it says a good man believes in an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner Finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. Are you going to take God for his word or what? Come on, we're getting closer and closer to that place called eventually, folks. It said it will eventually find its way, what? Into the hands of the righteous for whom it was, what? Laid up. We're going to start, listen, we're going to start hearing more and more testimonies. A wealth of the sinner in the hands of the righteous. More and more, come on, say, I'm going to be that testimony. The message Bible reads Proverbs 13, 22 this way. A good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. An ill-gotten wealth ends up with good people. So all those people out there doing what they think they can do the wrong way, I applaud them. Because they're working for me. Because one day all that ill-gotten wealth is going to come to me. That's what the Bible says. 
Come on, say amen. Somebody say, that's me. Say, I receive it. Turn to Proverbs 15, 6. Come on, these are confession scriptures, folks. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 6. Listen to this. In the house of the righteous is much treasure. But in the revenues of the wicked is what? Trouble. In the house of the righteous is what? Much trouble. Think about it. Think about this, folks. Where was the religious world when these scriptures were written? Why didn't we hear anything about all this growing up? Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. All we heard is Christians are supposed to be poor. And the poorer you were, the more humble you were. All we heard messages, you're going to hell. Yes, sinner. Come on. That's all we heard growing up. But here the Bible says the righteous shall have much treasure in their house. This is what the Bible has been there. But it hasn't been preached. Because they want you to be humble and poor. And you read the Old Testament, you don't find that one child of God, Paul. They're humble, but they nap. Paul. Go to Isaiah chapter 61. Look at chapter 61, verse 7. Could you imagine if there was a church that preached prosperity when you were a child, where you would be today? And these teenagers would get off their phone and listen to what I'm saying. You know what their life would be like? If they got a hold to what I'm preaching right now? Isaiah 61, 7 says, For your shame you shall have. For your shame you shall have. For your shame you shall have. And for, for, for confusion... They shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double everlasting joy shall be unto them. Now, the message Bible reads it this way. The message Bible reads it this way. Because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. Are you listening to me out here? Now, if you're truly receiving what I'm reading, you just got too expensive for the devil to mess with. Because why? Because you're getting double for your trouble. Somebody give the Lord a shout real quick. Now, the New Living Translation reads it this way. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. But then it says, and you will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Oh, you didn't hear me. A double portion of prosperity. A double portion of prosperity. Why? Because God truly intends to reward your faithfulness. 
And listen to me, folks. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are just ahead of you. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, all those folks at home right now, they should have came to church. Because I'm going to say a prayer for you at the end of this service. We're going to release some things. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. God has things prepared for you. God has things prepared for you. Come on, God has things prepared for you. The message Bible reads it this way. That's why we had this scripture. Message Bible 2.9. That's why we had this scripture text. No one, listen, it says, no one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagine anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. No one has ever seen or heard anything, heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. Look at Ephesians 2.7. Come on, I'm telling you, you should be writing these scriptures down. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. You put them on index cards. Every day, look at them. Ephesians 2, 7 said that in the ages to come, he might show the what? The exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through who? Christ Jesus. Other translations say future generations and some say successive generations. So what is he saying? God has laid up things that belong to the faithful, we have not even heard of or our hearts have not even conceived. I don't know about you, I'm waiting for some things even right now. I'm waiting, for, I got some things in the, got some seed in the ground. I'm waiting for some things to happen right now. When it happens, you're going to see the goodness of God. Come on, say amen, somebody. I mean, things that God has what? Prepared. Things that God has what? Prepared. Guess what? They are out there waiting for us, folks. Come on, say they're waiting for me. Why? These are the days of glory. These are the days of flourishing. And these are the days of abounding for the faithful. Come on, say that's me again. Now I'm going to pray for the faithful in this service. And if you've heard something here tonight that you've been believing God to happen in your life, 
in the way of a financial breakthrough, I want you to stand up. Now, I'm not talking about you just thought of it when I just said it. I'm talking about something you've been believing for. If you've been, if you've been pursuing grants, if you've been pursuing scholarships, money owed to you. Come on. Favorable settlements. Supernatural debt cancellations. Come on. Sale of houses. Raises and bonuses. Blocked inheritances. Come on. Greater return on investments. Recovery from scams. Recovery from identity theft. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, are you going to believe this with me? Two people. Are you going to believe this with me? Why? Because it belongs to you. Somebody say it belongs to me. Apparently, God knows it. Apparently, God knows it. And guess what? He's interested in helping, and he wants to do something about it. So lift up your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand in agreement with the people in this room and those that are online, church members in this, in this congregation, Father. These are the days of greater glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. It's time, Lord. It's time, Lord. It's time, Lord, that these kind of breakthroughs take place in the lives of your people the faithful. It's time for these settlements and it's time for these blocked inheritances. It's time for people that have money owed to them, genuinely owed to them to be paid back in the name of Jesus. You said the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth not when they get to heaven. We don't need it when we get to heaven. We need it now. And Father, you said it's payback time. We break the power of the enemy who is responsible for, for withholding what belongs to God's people. He has no right to do so, and we break his power right now. We command release in the name of Jesus. And I believe before June there will be testimonies coming from this group of people for some major financial breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. This group of people. We decree it right now. And you said whatever we decree will be established and we expect it to come to pass. Therefore, we will talk of it. We'll be careful to see to it that, we are, that you are praised for it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we promise that we can be trusted with all that you bring into our hands. That we will do what you expect us to do. We will not be hoarders. We'll be distribution centers in the name of Jesus. And we will thank you for it. Now if you believe what I just prayed. You need to give the Lord your best shout right now. Come on give him your best shout right now. Hallelujah. Glory to your name O oh Lord. Glory to your name O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, believe you receive it. We release our faith for it right now. 
We release our faith for it right now. Come on, we release our faith for it right now. Come on, we release our faith for it right now. In the name of Jesus, it's coming. It's coming right now. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. It's time. And the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's already taken care of. But he said, by the word of our testimony. I want you to tell at least four to five people, I'm headed for my greatest financial breakthrough. Come on, you better tell four or five people. Be obedient. Now give God praise like you believe it so. Come on, you need to give the Lord another shout. Come on, you need to give the Lord another praise. Come on, praise him like you believe it's going to happen. Praise him like you know that you know that you, know that you heard a word from the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That, that word was for me. That word is my word for today. My word is my word for the year. It is my time to prosper. It's my time for God to show his goodness in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, my Lord. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. Hallelujah. This is our year. This is our year. This is our breakthrough year. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to look back on this year. I'm telling you. We're going to say, this was the year. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands before the Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. Ha, 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 ha. Glory to your name, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, God's about to show you off to some people. He's about to show you off to some people. He's about to show you off to some people. Come on, he's about to show you off to some people. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. We give you praise, O Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. 
Oh, you are worthy. <laughs> Glory to your name, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your begging days are over, folks. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. Oh, we give you honor, Lord. 